audio. Welcome to Doc Talk, a weekly podcast featuring Monument Health physicians addressing medical topics. Tune into your health with Monument Health. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Doc Talk with Monument Health. My name is Mark Houston, and joining me for this episode is Dr. John Tronas, uh, a family doctor from mm-hmm. Leed and Deadwood, correct? Yes. Yep. Practice up in Leed and Deadwood, not from Leed and Deadwood. No. Yeah. <laughs> clinic is in Deadwood. Um, I live in Leed. Okay. Um, but yeah. So uh, what, what got you up into that area then, doctor? Um, so I was always interested in rural family medicine, uh, specifically, you know, you see a lot of family medicine doctors in bigger cities that are just doing clinics, you know, you just see patients in clinics all day, every day. And when you're a family medicine doctor in a rural area, you're seeing, you know, a lot more severe things. You're working in the hospital. I work in the ER. Um, I see pregnant patients, you know, all sorts of things like that. And so that's kind of what drove my education largely. And so I went to a residency in St. Cloud, Minnesota that focused on rural medicine and rural family medicine. I worked in Minnesota for a little bit. Wife and I had a daughter and then decided to move to be a little bit closer to my two sisters that grew up in Sturgis. And so, oh, okay. Yeah. You're kind of like a you're kind of like a throwback to a cowboy doctor being up at yes. Deadwood too. Much so. <laughs> it just fits yep. <laughs> to be yeah. able to do all of that different kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't get boring then. I mean, no, it does not. Nope. There's something different every day. You're not seeing the same thing. You're seeing acute things. You're seeing chronic things. You're seeing severe things. And it's nice to be in a small town like Lee Deadwood where you get to know everybody and you get to form those relationships with people pretty closely but also near a bigger city like Rapid City that has yeah. a big hospital like Monument uh, Hospital in Rapid City where you can refer things if needs be, you know, and, when it gets out of your scope. And I suppose that's that's almost as big a part of your practice is getting to know people over time. Yeah. I'm sure that has to play a big part of that. Yeah. Um, you always talk about different specialties and like, oh, this is what they specialize in. One of the things I like to say is that family medicine specializes in relationships relationships with the family you know I like to see people you know I'll see the grandma I'll see the dad mom I'll see the kids I'll see the grandkids and so you really do get to form bonds with those families well and what a and and what a way you know to to see that history in those people Mm -hmm. so you know that if grandma or grandpa had something Mm -hmm. then you can make a health plan for their grandkids yep that's that's got to be that just has to be busy. That's all I can think of. <laughs> just crazy busy. Uh, well, one one of the reasons why we brought you in here today because we're kind of still in this um, this cold and flu season. Yes, for our area for sure. Very much so. And when I got the topics that we would be talking about, or the topic, um, the differences between viral and bacterial infections. I don't know why it struck me, and I got so excited to talk about this. And I think it's it's because. Everybody thinks they understand this, but I don't know if people still get it yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that fair to say yeah. with a lot of this? Yep. So what is, to start this whole thing off, doctor, what's mainly the difference between a viral and a bacterial infection? Yeah. So kind of go back a little bit to that eighth grade biology class. <laughs> oh, <no>. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the large difference between virus and bacteria is bacteria, they can replicate on their own. Right. So they have the little cellular structures within them that can allow them to have one bacteria that'll split into two, that'll split into four, that'll split into, you know, 16 as go on and go uh, so on and so forth. Whereas a virus absolutely needs a host to replicate. So all they have in there is their little uh, RNA 
and they will attach to a host cell and they'll inject that uh, RNA into a cell and then they'll use the cell's own uh, structures to make new viruses and then that cell you know, explode and viruses will spread and then they'll infect different cells. And so that's kind of the large difference is, you know, whether or not it can replicate on its own and thus far, like what's inside those. Other thing to think about is that bacteria compared to viruses, bacteria are much, much larger. They say the smallest bacteria is still like a hundred times bigger than the largest virus. Really? Yeah, they're both microscopic, um, but Comparatively, you know, it's kind of like comparing like an elephant to a mouse kind of thing. So technically, a virus could infect a bacteria. Then. Yes, that does happen. Really? Yep. And then, then what do you do? <laughs> you know? I mean, I don't think any of that happens in a, a human very much. So okay. You don't really have to worry too much <laughs> about it. Um, but yeah. Um, well, then how do you know how do how do generally people contract viral and bacterial infections? Then I'm assuming since bacteria can be anywhere. That's why we're told to wash your hands all the mm -hmm. time, right? Mm -hmm. And that's is that that's probably a big factor. Yeah. Um, so the tough thing with bacteria and viruses is that you can contract them the same way, um, and you can present similarly when you have those infections. You know, a viral pneumonia can present just like a bacterial pneumonia, and they're caught very similarly. So when you know yeah. you cough, sneeze, you're going to spread things in the air. That stuff is going to land on surfaces, and you're going to touch those surfaces, and then people will touch their face, and then then it'll you know get into your body that way so they're spread very similarly um, and so that's why they're saying you know wash your hands frequently um, to get it off your hands so that when you do touch your face right. it doesn't you're not inoculating yourself with bacteria or viruses well I remember at the whole start of the pandemic too that was one of the big that was one of the big issues of of people saying, you know, you wash your hands, but just don't touch your face. Mm -hmm. And then once you're you're told, don't touch your face. All you want to do is touch your face. <laughs> all you want to yep. do all the time. Your nose starts itching underneath yeah. that mask. And you're just, yeah. <laughs> so is it is it really difficult to uh, to diagnose somebody? Like you say, there's viral and bacterial pneumonia. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, colds and flus we're all very similar with, or, or very familiar with. Is uh, is detecting that? tough as a as a doctor then it, it really can be um in the idea that you know there's probably a way to test for just about everything um, but not every facility is going to have all of that resource available to them um, people might not want to have to pay for certain tests and imaging and things like that and so just a person walking through the door it's very hard to just say oh you have a bacterial infection and you have a viral infection because right. they do present or can present very similarly um, there are you know easy tests for certain viruses that are available out there so you know we have a rapid influenza test that can test for influenza a and influenza b um, there's a rapid test for COVID nowadays. Mm -hmm. There's rapid tests for a virus called RSV. Um, there aren't really any easy swabs for like a bacterial pneumonia. Why is that? Why is it so hard? Why is it easier to seem like it can find the viral infections but yeah. not the bacterial? I mean, some of it is where it lives. Okay. Um, so when you do a swab, you know, for influenza or COVID, you're swabbing the nose because it'll kind of live in that area in a person. Bacterial pneumonia is going to live a little bit deeper in the lungs. Um, you can do tests where you have someone try to cough up deep cough and <laughs> culture whatever comes out of their lung. And it takes about three days for that culture to come back and tell you, oh, this bacteria is growing down in there. How, how do you not constantly get sick? 
I do get sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've always kind of thought that when you see so many people that come in to have these different infections. Mm-hmm. And then you're still going to work the next day. You know, yeah. it's it's I mean, I'm sure the masking that you guys that that probably plays a small part of it, too. And you keep yeah. your hands washed and the yes. whole thing. Yeah. I mean, as providers, we're washing before we go into a room, yeah. we're washing after. going. So we're constantly washing our hands. Uh, if there's a respiratory symptom, we're throwing on masks, we're throwing on gowns to try to protect ourselves. But yeah, between constantly being exposed to it and then having a two and a half year old, I am not infrequently sick. <laughs> no <Yes>. kidding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a wrench that gets uh, thrown in there. Um, so we have. As far as bacterial infections go, obviously, we have antibiotics Mm -hmm. that can help in a lot of instances. But on the virus side of things, there there aren't really similar medications to that for viruses, right? Not for a majority of viruses. So if uh, someone has a common cold, you say, you know, most of the cold tends to be more upper respiratory. Mm -hmm. So nose, maybe throat, sore throat, usually doesn't have a lot of cough with it, sometimes can, but that's kind of a little bit more rare. There are hundreds of viruses that can cause colds. And no, there are definitely not medications that can treat every one of those viruses. That's why we haven't cured the common cold. Exactly. Okay. Um, You know, viruses, like I said, they're smaller. They don't use themselves to replicate. They use hosts. So they tend to mutate and they change and they, you know, are constantly uh, different, you know, one year to the next year. And so it's hard to pick one medication that will treat that. Viruses that are a little bit more severe or cause a little bit more deadly illness, there are treatments for. So influenza um, does have uh, an antiviral medication, which is going to be different than an antibiotic medication um, because that antiviral medication is very specific for that virus, that influenza virus. Would an example of that be like the, the Tamiflu? Yep. Yeah. That's so what that would be? Tamiflu is the brand name. Oseltamivir okay. uh, is the generic. And there's a couple other antiviral medications geared towards influenza. Right. Um, there have been some emergency use medications released for COVID as well. So there's you know pills that people can take specifically for the COVID virus, but there are not readily mm-hmm. available you know, medications for rhinovirus or right. the RSV or, you know, Coxsackie virus. There's, like I said, hundreds <laughs> of different viruses. Um, with bacteria, um, they, you know, they're not nearly as many as far as like ones that will infect people. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So they're, they're not as many near, nearly as many infectious bacteria as there are different types of infectious viruses. Um, and because of that, you know, there's a lot more readily available medications. And part of that is also, you know, kind of the, the drive to make medicines for those things. Because, again, bacterial and viral can present similarly. People will get rid of a virus on their own. Their body's natural defenses will get rid of it. For bacteria, it's a little bit harder for people's natural defenses to get rid of them. And so they can be a lot more deadly. And so because of that, you know, medicine kind of geared up and found ways to treat those diseases. Well, is it because there's there's good bacteria? Yes. Does that yeah. play a lot? You yeah, know? There's, there's, there's lots of good bacteria in the body, um, especially in the intestines. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of different aspects of your food that you actually can't break down on your own and digest on your own, so you depend on those bacteria. Um, and then there's lots of, you know, at least neutral or harmless bacteria on your skin, all over your body. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, and I know the danger when it comes to the the uh, bacterial infections is people think, well, I can just take an antibiotic anytime it happens mm-hmm. and I'll be fine. But there is such a thing as um, too much antibiotics, I'm assuming, and like an sure. antibiotic resistance, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, yep. 
Um, so, you know, some of the harms with uh, antibiotic use is, you know, it can get rid of your good bacteria. Yeah. Um, and so taking antibiotics frequently or taking them for a long period of time um, can get rid of, especially a lot of those good bacteria in the intestines. Um, and can, people can end up where they get rid of all their good bacteria and all that's left are some more aggressive infectious type bacteria and they can get significant infections. Um, common with that is called C. diff, um, which is a pretty bad intestinal infection um, that can be pretty severe. And then the other aspect of it is um, pretty much when we introduced antibiotics into the world in the 40s. Since that time, bacteria have been changing and responding, and they've been growing resistant to antibiotics. How do they grow resistant? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, because you, you think, you know, they're stupid. <laughs> they're, just, they're little tiny things. How are they able to change and evade that so well sometimes? Uh, so, yeah, you know, they can't think. Um, right. They don't have a consciousness, <laughs> but they are extremely effective at what they do. Um, and that's why they've been on this earth way longer than humans have been on this earth, longer than most things have been on this earth, because they are effective at what they do. Yeah. And so a couple of the common ways that antibiotics become resistant or bacteria become resistant to antibiotics. Uh, one is this idea that as everything, you know, grows, multiplies the cells in your body, uh, bacteria grow and multiply. Um, they'll have slight changes in their DNA. Um, and it's, it's not intentional, oftentimes it's accidental, but they'll have an accidental change, a mutation, and all of a sudden, you know, they'll have a new protein or a new aspect to them that will make them resistant to an antibiotic. And bacteria can actually pass that on to, you know, their offspring, so when they split, and, um, or they can even release that DNA and other bacteria can pick up that DNA. And so they can share it with, you know, oh kind of non-offspring right. of themselves. And so, yeah, that's kind of how that accidental resistance starts up. And then you introduce an antibiotic into that, you know, population of bacteria. So let's say, you know, you don't have a pneumonia or you don't have a bacterial sinus infection. You come in and, you know, you get an antibiotic, you start taking it and you have, you know, a majority of the bacteria will probably be responsive to that antibiotic, and you'll always kind of have some bacteria in your body. It just might not be infecting you at the time. So, you know, let's say, you know, you have little bacteria in your sinuses, they're kind of always there, and your immune system gets weak, that's when you have like an infection because they'll start to grow and multiply and split, right? But let's say they're not growing and multiplying, you just have a couple in there. You'll kill off the couple that uh, aren't resistant, and the only thing that'll be there is maybe that one that had a mutation that's resistant. And so maybe the next time your immune system gets weak and you do develop a bacterial infection, it's only that bacteria that's resistant to that antibiotic that you had exposed the previous, you know, low-level population right. to. So are, will we ever get ahead of it, or is that just impossible? I don't think we will. Yeah. I, I think at this point, it's a constant of... You know, these bacteria are growing resistant, let's find new antibiotics. Okay, bacteria growing resistant, let's find new antibiotics. And it's kind of a pessimistic viewpoint, but they've <laughs> sure. been around for longer. Yeah, exactly. And they can survive in much harsher environments than humans can. Right. Uh, and so when we're 
off this earth uh, in, you know, who knows, a <laughs> million, billion years, they'll still be here. We are just bags of meat, aren't we? That's, yes. that's it. Um, well, it's interesting. I, I think, I don't remember where I saw this, but um, it, it, it almost seems that there's that they've also gone back to earlier antibiotics? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is a thing where we'll hold off on using certain antibiotics. Um, a lot of this is driven by like some of the infectious disease experts and specialists yeah. out there where they'll say, well, let's not use these particular antibiotics. And in, especially in communities, you'll find that, well, the bacteria aren't really resistant to that anymore. And so they kind of hold it in reserve and use it only strictly as need be. Okay, how um, many, oh, uh, so there, there's, there's must be Hundreds, thousands of types of antibiotics? Maybe not quite that much? I don't know about hundreds. Yeah, hundreds. Yeah. And they can all target different things. Yeah, yeah. So there's different classes of antibiotics that are kind of geared towards different types of Mm -hmm. bacteria. Um, Again, kind of going into that eighth grade biology mode. (laughs) You know, you kind of have your two basic types of bacteria that cause infections. There's what they call gram positive and gram negative. That's kind of distinction by like their cell wall structure. And so there are antibiotics towards gram-negative ones, and there's antibiotics towards gram-positive ones. There's antibiotics towards bacteria that grow in like air environments, and there's bacteria geared towards what they call anaerobic bacteria, or bacteria that can grow without any oxygen. And so you're just kind of, you know, big broad classes, and then those break down into farther bases, like how they attack the bacteria, and then there's usually, you know, five, six different types of those because every pharmaceutical company is going to want to have their own version yeah. of the antibiotics oh, so that they can sell to people. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, do you have, uh, this will be a weird question, mm-hmm. do you have a, a, a favorite type of bacteria or virus? Oh. <laughs> or a favorite type of uh, condition that it causes, like the Black Plague. I don't know. <laughs> black Plague is fun. <laughs> I would have to go... Uh, Oh, that's a tough one. Mm. <laughs> well, it's interesting. The Black Plague still exists. Yes. The, the bubonic plague yes. yep. is still a uh, thing. So the bacteria that caused it, Yersinia pestis, um, it still exists. Uh, I think sometimes you'll see it down in like the southwest um, right. because it's still in some uh, populations of fleas and rats. And I just like saw last year or the year before, there were three cases of it in mm-hmm. Wyoming. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's because of the prairie dogs. Can they get into prairie dogs? I suppose it could. Yeah, could probably. It? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's frightening to know that something like that can still yeah. exist right now. But um, there are a lot of medically interesting yeah. infectious bacteria and things like that. Um, and you never want to be medically interesting to a doctor. <laughs> um, but yeah, tuberculosis, Legionnaires disease. Um, oh, I suppose. That's probably yeah. my favorite one. I'm going to go with Legionnaires. Legionnaires. Yeah. That's the one that can be found in um, like... It seems to be associated with air conditioning units. Stagnant water. Stagnant water, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, air conditioning units will have kind of a drip or something like that, and they'll have an area that kind of has stagnant water on it, and then that will grow and associated with air conditioning units because it'll just kind of have air just blowing over that stagnant water, just kind of throwing that bacteria into the, you know, room uh, convention center. That's why they call it Legionnaires, because it hit a convention center filled with American Legion people. Oh, that's right. Yeah. God, you guys, you guys will, you'll, you'll, you have the weirdest names. I mean, you're, 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 uh, you're direct though. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Dr. Uh, Tronis, if you had to, I asked you to think about this while mm-hmm. I was wrapping it up. So let's say for the rest of your life, anytime you were going to get sick, it was either a bacterial infection or a viral infection. Mm-hmm. Which one would you rather have? I would probably go viral. If okay. Go bacterial or viral. Yeah. I'm going to say viral infection. Um, 
I feel like I've had enough of them. You always, you always get over it. And so, yeah, at least for, you know, simple viral respiratory infections. Oh, that makes me feel so good. I, yeah. you know, I like to feel as smart as you doctors sometimes. So, you know, I walk around the building and I ask these questions and I'm just glad that you chose the answer I did too. <laughs> makes me feel good. Uh, this has been, this has been a fun conversation. Um, uh, I'd like to have you back anytime. Anytime oh, yeah. you got something interesting and yeah. you want to talk about, I'd love to have you on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. John Tronis is a family doctor up in Lead and Deadwood. So do you, are you still taking patients, oh, doctor? Yeah. Are you still? For sure. Okay. Taking new patients. Anybody that wants to come up and see me. Excellent. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. So thank you very much for talking with me. I appreciate it. Of course. Doc Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Homeslice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Haddon, engineered by Chris Jaquis, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.